You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Happy Halloween, everyone. It is episode uh, 14 of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. And what better way to celebrate Halloween than with uh, not necessarily a horror game, but definitely Halloween uh, themed. We're gonna, I'm going to be talking about ghosts and goblins this evening. But until we get to that, we will start off. We have some retro news for you, and we have some this month in video game history. So um, let's go ahead and get started. So, Derek, anything you wanted to talk about before we jump into our news segments? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Um, it's just been a been a pretty pretty busy work week, um, busy weekend actually. I I filmed a I filmed a wedding yesterday. And that was like an all-day thing. So uh, glad to sit here and relax and talk uh, talk retro games. Well, let's get into it. Let's start off with our retro news. I love this story when I found it. <laughs> Link's Awakening recreated using the Nintendo 64 Ocarina of Time engine. And this comes from RetroCollect.com. For many retro gamers, it's a hard choice to make when it comes to picking the greatest game in the Legend of Zelda series. Many will vouch for the Nintendo 64 Classic or the Super Nintendo Epic, but there's still a vocal minority that stand by the Game Boy's timeless entry in Link's Awakening. One fan of the Portable Quest has decided to give it a more modern feel by porting the game to the Nintendo 64 using the Ocarina of Time engine. Basically, what this guy did was he took the basic concept and the gameplay from Ocarina of Time and modified it a little bit to make it like the Link's Awakening Game Boy game. And there's actually a teaser trailer and a little bit of, uh, I won't necessarily call it gameplay, but just, I guess, kind of a test. And it looks really cool. Like, I'm sure Nintendo is going to shut this down at some point. Oh, yeah. But... I loved Link's Awakening. This like it, looks, it's, dude, I would it, still put it below like Ocarina of Time and Link's Awakening, but it's definitely in my my top five uh, Zelda games of all time. And just the look of this looks awesome. Like I would want to play this. Oh, me too. I wish that this game would be completed because I would absolutely download uh, a Nintendo 64 emulator. Because what this is, is is it's a ROM hack of Ocarina of Time, and the guy's just going in and modifying it. I would absolutely get a Nintendo 64 emulator to play this (laughs) if it were to be completed. Yeah, it says the as it stands, the patch for this ROM hack is yet to be made available. However, the creator has been posting regular updates and gameplay videos online. Yeah, the, it's so cool. I mean, I would love if Nintendo even remade Link's Awakening into a, like a 3D game. I think it, it would just be so cool. I think if someone at Nintendo takes a look at this, they'll definitely need to think about it. Because it has one of the more unique stories. It doesn't take place in Hyrule. The only original 
Legend of Zelda character in this game is Link. Everyone else is brand new. Like they had never been introduced into this game before. And it's it's got a little bit of a, a dark element to it as well, which I think is has become more current in Zelda games. But back in that time, it was kind of a rarity for it to have kind of a, a dark and you know, somewhat tragic undertone. Like I, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't played it, but um, I'll just say if you beat the game, then something bad happens. Hmm. Yeah, I never got to play uh, Link's Awakening because that was that was a Game Boy game that, and you know, I was never that big into Game Boy, so I never got to play that. But if this was available, I would definitely play this. So good. Major props to whoever it is that's making this. Yeah. Well, um, next what about up, your news, sir? We have uh, this is from K- Kotaku Australia. Uh, it is. Um, there's an NES Bluetooth controller that lets you play on consoles and mobile. Uh, the NES is a timeless piece of gaming history and universally beloved, but tangled wires, however, are not. That's why the complete NES Bluetooth controller kit is a welcome addition to anyone's gaming arsenal. Grab one on sale for just $49.99. Uh, the controller looks exactly like the NES original, but with a few modern upgrades. Simply plug the included ret- retro receiver into your NES console, and you can use your controller to start gaming wirelessly. Alternatively, utilize the X standard to, pl- re- uh, to play retro games on your phone. The Bluetooth controller comes with a built-in CPU and flash memory chip, allowing for upgradable firmware. And since it's compatible with PS3, PS4, Wiimote, and Wii U Pro, you can use your controller with other consoles as well. I might have to get this. That's impressive. Yeah. And the, uh, um, wow. I, it does have the, the original Nintendo controller and the SNES controller, but the original Nintendo controller has the four buttons on it like a uh, an SNES controller does. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now. This just brings back so many great memories, and the fact that they're kind of taking that and adding it, you know, modern technology to it, and the fact that you can use this for consoles and uh, mobile games. That's fantastic. That, that's so cool. Cause I mean, I, I don't know if how many, how many mobile games you play, but, um, anytime I play one, I actually think I would do so much better if I had a controller. Well, I think if Nintendo were to officially license this product, they could actually put out more mobile games that would be, you know, like, a an, an actual super Mario game, not just a super Mario endless runner they could actually do a Super Mario game or a Zelda game on a mobile platform. That'd be so good. Wouldn't that be awesome? I would download those opening day. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, no, but this <laughs> this is really cool. I, I didn't know this was a thing, but as soon as I read, you know, it comes with built-in CPU and flash memory chip, so it, yeah. it's upgradable. That's so cool. Yeah, so it, it'll be... It'll be a good investment because it, you'll const- it, it'll it'll last a long time, you know, if you're able to upgrade it. So this would be a really good investment to make if you if you're a retro gamer. Absolutely, I mean, I, I'd love to have one just, you know, to add to a collection, even if I didn't really use it that much. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, That's actually, awesome. 
let's go ahead and move on into our This Month in Video Game History. In 1985, on October 18th, Nintendo releases Duck Hunt for the Famicom. And I don't know about you, but I've always hated that dog. I love animals. I love dogs <laughs> especially. But there's an old saying, there's an exception to every rule. Yes. I hated that damn dog. <laughs> uh, His laugh was so annoying. And what was awesome was in the newest Smash Brothers, the Duck Hunt dog was a playable character. And I was like, I can't wait to just beat that thing's ass. <laughs> and you know and the it's... bad thing is, is now I can't play Duck Hunt or uh, like Hogan's Alley because I don't have the curved screen CRT television. I just have a flat screen, so the 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 light gun doesn't work with it. Oh man, did you ever see the the announcement trailer when they announced the Duck Hunt dog for Smash Brothers? No, I never saw that. So anytime that they would announce, you know, a new character that would be available, they would release a trailer highlighting that character. So they showed footage from the old Duck Hunt game. Yeah. And, you know, it's got, you know, the, you can tell someone's trying to to shoot the ducks, but they're missing. The ducks fly away. The dog pops up out of the ground, does its little laugh, and the background just turns black. <laughs> and the dog's just kind of frozen. He opens his eyes and looks over, and then there are 8-bit versions of Mario, Link, Samus, and Donkey Kong. And then Mario jumps up in the air, and then all of a sudden it turns to like more modern graphics. And then you see like the river in the background, and you see the grass rustle a little bit, and the dog jumps out, and he has one of the ducks with him. So like whenever you play as the dog, uh, the duck is always with him, and he kind of affect some of the attacks that he does as well. So it, it was it was a neat little throwback reference. I can always see like if they're doing like a big announcement at like um E3 or something like that and they announce the dog from Duck Hunt and then you know they're announcing all these characters and like the crowd's going wild like the yeah we get to play Link, we get to play Bowser or whatever and then they're like and the dog from Duck Hunt and the entire crowd's just like boo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now it was uh, Smash Brothers is a, a very cool franchise, but uh, also in 1988, on October 29th, the Sega Mega Drive was released in Japan, which we know better as the Sega Genesis. Yes, it, it's it's always kind of funny that because um, I whenever I think of the Mega Drive, I always think of the Master System. Yeah. So it always confuses me when I hear Mega Drive and Master System. System. It's something I noticed, like back in the the eighties and nineties, they would change the names of certain things. You know, like the Nintendo was the Famicom. Yeah. The Super Nintendo was Super Famicom. Uh, Genesis was the Mega Drive in Japan. For the longest time, with the Sonic games, uh, who we know as Doctor Robotnik, the main villain, he was called Doctor Eggman. Yeah. Like since the beginning and since the newer games, they've changed the U.S. version to Eggman as well. I've noticed they don't really have different names anymore. It's really become more of like a worldwide name. Yeah. But I always thought that was kind of funny that things would be named differently in Japan than they would be here. Yeah, things were always that way back in the 80s. I don't understand what, like what the reasoning was behind that to always rename things. No, it was it was very strange. But I mean, it it, it kind of made it unique 
but at the same time, I'm glad now that everything kind of has the same name. It makes it a lot easier to yeah, remember. I'm sure. Well, we're we're what we're. God, I cannot talk tonight, man. <laughs> oh, I'm the same way. I, we we recorded the Nerd Cave earlier, yeah. and I was struggling <laughs> to to do that one. But it's a worldwide market now, so there's no reason to have things na- be named differently for uh, different markets overseas. No, I, I totally agree. Um, in 1992, in October, Sega releases the Model 1, an arcade system board that popularizes 3D polygon graphics. Now, if you'd have asked me, I would have thought Nintendo came up with a, a polygon graphics chip first. Oh, same here. Wow, Sega did that. I had no idea. I'm actually looking up info on this right now. Model 1 Sega. Because that's really cool. Yeah, because, you know, the SNES had the Mode 7 graphics where you could pull off things like, um, oh, my brain just went blank, like like Pilot Wings and games like that, Star Fox, uh, those type of graphics. Mm-hmm. I remember Star Fox especially because that was the first game I really remember having some type of three-dimensional look to it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just simple polygons, but... You got to think of probably what it took back then to make something like that. Oh, yeah. That game was amazing at the time. You look back on it now and it's god awful looking. But (laughs) at the time, it was like, wow, this is the future. Now, that might be something that I review in the coming weeks. Oh, cool. Hint, hint. Sounds good to me. Yeah. But no, I'm looking at it right now. Let's see. While earlier Sega hardware was capable of handling 3D polygons, such as the Mega Drive. The Model 1 was Sega's first hardware specifically designed for 3D polygon graphics. It's so cool looking back at this kind of stuff. That's why I love when we do this segment is that, you know, we learn something about classic gaming and really like where things came from. Yeah, because we're not coming at this, uh, you know, we, we're we not coming at this podcast like we're experts or anything. I mean, we we mainly wanted to do this show so we could learn about this type of stuff. So basically our listeners are learning right along with us. And there's probably a lot of listeners out there that think we're dumbasses too, but, you know. <laughs> hey, as long as they hit that download button. Oh, yeah. I'm happy with it. <laughs> I'm happy with our numbers, man. We're doing great. Oh, we are, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Last bit of news in video game history. In 1999, on October 18th, Pokemon Yellow was released in North America. Do you remember the surge of Pokemon in the 90s? I was completely – that whole Pokemon thing just kind of – it slipped right by me. I was not into – I was so focused on music at that time that everything else didn't matter. So everything pop culture just kind of passed me by from like 1996 to about 2004. I did not play video games. I didn't care about anything other than music. So all of that stuff sort of passed me by. Pokemon was huge when it hit the United States. I remember reading about it in Nintendo Power, reading about it, you know, in other gaming magazines. And I remember getting the first game that I got, because they're red and blue were the games that came out first. They were the same game, but there were certain Pokemon you could get in red that you couldn't get in blue and vice versa. And then they invented this cable that you could connect between Game Boys and and you could trade Pokemon, you know, with your friend. I do remember well, that. 
around the same time they released the Pokemon anime, and that's where Pikachu became really popular. So in 99, they released a third game called Yellow, which was basically the same game as Red and Blue, but you could have Pikachu as your starter instead of Bulbasaur, Charmander, or Squirtle. And it followed some of the storylines of the cartoon. So it, it was, it's my favorite Pokemon game I've ever played just because you can get pretty much all of them in yellow, I think, except for like six or seven. But, you know, you start as Pikachu. I was a huge fan of the anime back then. Like I, I was huge into Pokemon during that initial phase. Like once the second generation came out, like I played them, but I wasn't as into it. And then after that, I kind of got out of it. But Yellow was great. It's one of my favorite Game Boy games of all time. Like, it's probably in the top three. Hmm. Yeah, It was I, so much fun. I even tried to get into this, like, Pokemon Go phenomenon that just happened, and I got as far as, da as downloading the app and never launching it. So <laughs> I'm still, like, you're speaking a different language to me when you're going into Pokemon stuff. Pokemon Go was fun for a time. Like the first month or so, I really enjoyed it, but it didn't really, they didn't do much afterwards to really maintain my interest. Like I know they've done updates since then, but, you know, I don't even have the app on my phone anymore. Yeah. I so. actually got rid of it not too long ago myself, and I never even launched the app. I downloaded it and never played it. That's nuts. I mean, I, I like Pokemon Go. I think it's, it was one of those games like it, it really promotes interaction and the fact that you have to leave your house or leave wherever you live to actually go out and catch Pokemon. Like there's um there's a pier near uh the baseball stadium where I work and I went out there one Friday or Saturday night and it was packed with people <laughs> that were playing Pokemon Go and they were all like talking with each other and showing each other which ones they had caught. And say, oh, well, you can go, you know, uh, farther down Palafox Street, which is like the main stretch of road in our downtown area. You can go, you know, farther down and you can catch a Snorlax or you can go by the Wahoo Stadium and you can catch an Abra. And it, it's, it's really promoting, you know, getting out there and and being more active instead of just staying inside, which I thought was great. But, you know, I just kind of fell out of it after like a month or two. Yeah, you and a lot of other people did. <laughs> I know they but lost it was, a lot it was fun to relive that, though. Yeah, well, I mean, if they would have come up with a way, you know, kept updating it and give you a way to, like, actually fight with your Pokemon, like, that would have sounded cool to me. But just capturing in them, and then what do you do with it after that? It's kind of like, is that a game? Not really. And there were so many bugs when that game came out, too. Like, that game was not ready at all. Yeah. But they just wanted to go ahead and get it out there. I mean, it had a lot of downloads in the beginning, but I know a lot of people who stopped playing it almost immediately because of all the crashes that would happen, or you would get into a gym battle, and you couldn't win it because of a bug that needed to be fixed. Yeah. Like, it was impossible for you to win a battle because there was some type of glitch, and they had to do an update to fix it. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. It was a pain in the ass. Sounds like it. Yeah. But uh, no, that, like I that's, said, my, that's my Pokemon talk for the cool. night. 
Well, let's, uh, <laughs> since I pretty much have nothing to input on that, <laughs> let's go ahead and move into our Halloween discussion for this evening. Some of you may know the name of the game I am about to play, which I said it earlier, but you may recognize that music is from a game on the NES released in 1985 called Ghosts and Goblins. Now, this was a game that I really didn't like too much when I was a kid, but as an adult, I have been playing the hell out of this game. And Ghosts and Goblins is a platform game where the player controls a knight named Sir Arthur who must defeat zombies, ogres, demons, cyclops, dragons, and other monsters in order to rescue Princess Prinprin, who has been kidnapped by Satan, king of the demon world. Along the way, the player can pick up new weapons, bonuses, and extra suits of armor that can help him in this task. This game is often considered very difficult by arcade standards and is commonly regarded as one of the most difficult games ever released. The player can only be hit twice before losing a life. The first hit takes away Arthur's armor, and the player must continue on in his underwear until completing the levels or finding replacement armor. If the player loses a life, he is returned to the start of the level or the halfway point if he has managed to get that far. That being said, this is a very, very difficult game. This is up there to be as ridiculously difficult as like Ninja Gaiden, um, which I've talked about at length before on this show. Ninja Gaiden is my white whale in this lifetime. But um, Ghosts and Goblins is just a fun side-scrolling action game. I mean, there's not a lot to... You know, there's, it's it's one of those just games that you just put in, and it's kind of just mindless side-scrolling gameplay. There's not really any kind of RPG elements or anything to it, nothing to really think about. It's just you kind of just turn your brain off and go. It's like as soon as you start it, it is balls through the wall the second you start. And it is very difficult because you won't, you only get two hits before you die. Now, have you ever played this game before, Derek? I have not. I've heard quite a bit about it. I've yeah, I've known of it for for quite some time, but I've never had the opportunity to play it. It sounds very interesting. Uh, one thing I was curious about mentioning you have to fight, you know, zombies, uh, demons, dragons. Do you get to fight any of the classic like movie monsters like a werewolf or a Dracula? Um, no, and I'll be honest, I, I really can't get that far into the game. I can, I think I've only gotten to maybe level three in the past few weeks because it is very difficult and can be quite trying at times because I mean, it's so easy to die in this game, but most of the game is, um, you go running through cemeteries and there are just zombies coming up out of the ground and there are kind of almost like the, the the they're the red devils that fly around in this game that are almost like mini bosses where they're just so they're so ridiculously hard to get through and 
the point there's and there's a lot to the game as far as like the different level types where you're um you can fall and die or you got to jump from platform to platform and things like that um it's just it's really challenging and i'd love to have finished this game but there's not really much as far as uh cheats for this game so I've been trying to just play it straight through, and I'll be honest, I can only get about as far as um, the floating platforms, which there's the graveyard in the forest, the ice palace, uh, the floating platforms, the fire bridge, and the caves. So there's like six levels to the game, and I can only get up to about level three at this point. Wow. That sounds very difficult. Yeah, it's not an easy game, but it's really fun. And just the way the game looks, the way it plays, uh, just the whole atmosphere of the game is just makes it the perfect game to pop in on Halloween to play. Yeah, I remember you know us talking about what games we were going to review for October because it's Halloween month, and I think this is the perfect game to to release, you know, a review on Halloween because of, you know, the theme of it. You've got, you know, your zombies, your ogres, uh, you've got your Satan. It, it sounds like a really fun game and a, a game, you know, that you should play around this time of year. Oh, exactly. And if you want to pick up a copy of it, uh, it is available on the virtual console uh, it was released on December 10th, 2007 for the Wii, October 25th, 2012 for the 3DS, and uh, January 3rd, 2013 for the 3DS. Yeah, and the Wii U version was released in both regions on May 30th, 2013. So you can pick this up on the Nintendo Virtual Console. And also there is a sequel to this game, called Ghouls and Ghosts, which when I was younger, I actually thought they were the same game because you had Ghosts and Goblins for the NES, and then you had Ghouls and Ghosts on the um, the Sega Genesis. So I thought those were the same game, just named differently. But um, no, Ghouls and Ghosts is actually the, uh, the sequel to Ghosts and Goblins, and Super Ghouls and Ghosts was also released on the SNES. I do remember that game. What's funny is I remember that primarily from an old game show I used to watch on Nickelodeon called Nick Arcade. Where I remember that the, game. I remember that show. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of my favorites. Like it, it came on at like weird hours of the day, so I didn't get to see it that much. But there was a section where you could choose from like eight different games to play, and you would have to do a certain objective in a certain amount of time. And one of the games that was frequent on that show was Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Yep. And that's that's how I remember it. Like I, I knew I knew of Ghouls and Ghosts and Super Ghouls and Ghosts, but I had no idea they were sequels to Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, there was uh it says right here, and I remember this uh I see it says it sequels include Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, and Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins, in addition to producing the Gargoyles Quest and Maximo's spinoff series. Now, I remember Gargoyle's Quest, and I remember thinking that the Gargoyle looked very similar in the, the artwork for the box to uh, Ghosts and Goblins, and now I find out that it's an actual spinoff, so that's why. Awesome. See, this stuff wasn't really 
Like, you didn't know this stuff back then. Like, you couldn't look this up on the internet and find out that, like, oh, Gargoyle's Quest is actually a spinoff. Like, you didn't know that back then unless it was said somewhere that it was a spinoff. You'd have to read it in, like, a magazine or just from somebody telling you. Uh, It says, Computer Gaming World called Ghosts and Goblins an excellent example of what the NES can do. While hardly groundbreaking, it represents the kind of game that made Nintendo famous. Now, that I will agree with 100%, because this game represents, like, this is one of the games you immediately think of when you think of the Nintendo 2D side-scroller. Like, this game was made for what the Nintendo could do. Yeah, I'm looking at a screen cap right now, and it it absolutely has that classic NES look to it. Yeah, and it's got like I think that, Nintendo when I see this. Yeah, it's the it's just that it's that early Nintendo look where it's got like the black background. There's not much going on in the background. It's just a flat back background, but you have these really bright um, graphics you know, for like the landscape that you're running across because originally this game was in the arcade and this game was built to be like a quarter, uh, hog, you know, like this was a hard game to play, which is why you can only get two hits before you die because this thing was a quarter muncher. And when it was ported to the NES, it, they didn't change it. It was still like that. So this game is extremely hard. But still, like, it's one of those games that even when you die, you just want to keep going. Yeah, and I mean, even if a game is really hard, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to hate it. Because I know a lot of people who will hate on games because they're hard. But to me, that's half the fun is the challenge. Well, that's what made those games so fun back then. Like, that's that's one of my problems with games today. Like, don't get me wrong. I love you know, new video games. Like I've been, I got back into playing, uh, Arkham, which was the last Arkham game, the Batman game, Arkham Knight, Arkham Knight. I went back to play it. I love playing that game, but you know what? It's not that hard. All you got to do is play it. And eventually it ends just by doing your missions. It's nothing hard about it. This stuff here, the old Nintendo games, especially like this, um, Ninja Gaiden games like this, these 2D side scrollers, it was like it was all about skill and memorization and muscle memory to get through these uh, levels. And that's why these games are still around to today, which is why there's still a huge um, speed running community is people that find the glitches and like the way to shave off seconds to get through these games as fast as possible. And it's, it's amazing that these games, you know, 30, 35 years later still are bringing people in to be like, these games were just awesome. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the NES version of ghosts and goblins was rated the 129th best game made on a Nintendo system in Nintendo powers, top 200 games list. It's sold impressive 1.64 million units for the NEF NES and is often cited as an example of one of the most difficult games of all time to beat due to its extreme level of difficulty and the fact the player must play through the game twice in order to beat the game. Now that I forgot what? to mention that you actually have to go through this game twice. You have to go completely through it. Um, I remember watching a video about this not too long ago on um, 
Cinemassacre. You have to go completely through the game, and then you have to go through it again in order to actually beat the game, which is just mind-bending. And, and, you know, to think about having to do that in one sitting, because there's no pause there, you know, you can't save the game. You have to play through it twice. And it, even if you were to do a speed run and you were perfect at playing this game, it would still, you know, it would. It takes like fifteen. It would take you fifteen, twenty minutes just to go through the game. But if you're just playing it like me, you know, it would take me two to three hours just to complete it one time through. I can imagine sitting there, like the first time playing through it you make it all the way through and you think you've won and mm-hmm. then you have to go through the whole game again. I would be so pissed. Yeah. And it's the same way with the <laughs> super ghouls and ghosts as well. You have to do those twice through to, to beat it. That's nuts. <laughs> that is yeah, absolutely nuts. This episode is dropping on Halloween. And if you have the Nintendo virtual console, you know, if you have a, a Wii U, you have a, a Wii a 3DS, Go pick this game up. If you have a Nintendo and you have this game, fire it up on Halloween because this is Halloween is the perfect day out of the year to play this type of game on because it 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 screams Halloween. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to be playing some uh, some zombies ate my neighbors tomorrow for Halloween. Yes. And if I give this game um, out of five stars, I give it four. If the only way this game could get five stars is if it had a save system to it. Yeah, which a lot of games back then didn't have that. Yeah. So, do we know if this is going to be on the um, the Nintendo Mini? Let me look that up real quick. Games. Um. Maybe. I hope so because if there's a save feature. All right, here we go. We have. We have Balloon Fight, Bubble Bubble. Let's see. Ghosts and Goblins, there it is. It's going to be on the Nintendo Mini. Gouged for limited data. Introducing T-Mobile One. One price, all <laughs> for everyone. Actually, that's me. For 35 bucks per month each. Go away. <laughs> I was wondering where that was coming from. I thought that was you. I was about, I was about to say, do we get a sponsor for this no, show? No, I'm on CNET <laughs> and uh, had an ad pop up. So <laughs> and I was no, trying to close good. it out. And I'm like, where is that coming from? But yeah, it's uh, you're, as far as the like the horror tinged games, we've got Castlevania, Castlevania Two, Simon's Quest, uh, Ghosts and Goblins. Um, let's see, Kid Icarus. I would say that's kind of a Halloweenish type of game. Yeah, so right there. I mean, it's going to be on the Nintendo Mini. So yeah, it, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. Which will be coming out fairly soon. Uh, what, like two, three weeks? Mm-hmm. Because we're about to be in November. God, this yes. year has flown by. I know. And 2016 hasn't been that great of a year, so I'm kind of ready. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's been great for me, but as far as, like, what's happening in the world and, like, celebrity deaths and just deaths all around and just, like, all the political yeah. climate, this year has just been a dumpster fire, man. Yeah, I I mean, there are reasons I won't get into on the show, but I I was telling someone earlier this year to me, I would call it the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Yeah, you got that. I've had I've had some really good things happen and I've had some really bad things happen. So 
Well, let's it, it's that, a it's been a crazy year. Yeah, let's hope that 2017 brings a little more good cheer to the world because we need it. The world really needs it. You know what the world needs to do? Let's all sit down on our couches and let's play some retro games together. Retro games make everything better. Yes, they do. So um, on that note, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here this evening? Um, well, I'm looking at this list because uh, I'll be doing a review next week. Um, I think what I'm going to pick, because it's actually really tough because there are several games that I want to discuss. Um, I'm actually thinking I'm going to do kind of a two-for-one. We know the SNES had a lot of great RPGs. Mm -hmm. But there is one that Square Enix made that was a Mario RPG. So next week, I will review Super Mario RPG, The Legend of the Seven Stars. Nice. And I can't wait to talk about it because this is a game. It's a little bit of a long one, but I've played it quite a few times all the way through. Uh, and I do need to um, I am going to review Air Fortress this month um, that uh Tyler Watson gave to me, um, but I won't do it the next show. I will do it for the Thanksgiving episode, but I think that after next week, um, since I just recently did a game that I hated with Fester's Quest, I will save Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So for the Thanksgiving show, I think I am going to do... Hmm. Do you think I should do Crystalis or Star Tropics 2? Um, since you recently did Star Tropics, I would say Crystalis. Okay, let's do that. I will highlight Crystalis. And I will highlight Mario RPG. Fantastic. Google Docs is such a great invention. Isn't it awesome? Thank you. The one thank you, Google. You do some awesome things sometimes. You do. <laughs> but on that note, um everybody. Have a safe and happy Halloween. Go out there, have some fun, play some horror retro video games, eat your candy, but brush your teeth. So, you know, and don't go dressing like a clown, scaring people. If you're going to dress like a clown, be a happy clown. Don't oh, scare Oh, real quick, I got to tell you this story. Uh -oh, I went in Publix story? the other day, <laughs> and there was a whole family that dressed up like clowns and oh. went into Publix. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're about to be in the middle of a robbery. Uh, but they they were just they were just dressed up for like a Halloween party. It was like a a husband, wife, and two kids. Wow, I thought you were gonna say that they like robbed the place or something. <laughs> oh, it freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> wow, be like oh, yeah, if you're gonna dress like a me. clown, people be a nice clown. You know, don't go scaring yeah. little kids or anything. Just get some candy, play some retro video games, and, and make the world a better place. So on that note, let's go ahead and get out of here. You can contact us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us on Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. You can get a hold of us uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what's going on. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce.
been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.